Hey fam, what is up? Welcome back to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman. And today we are back with one of the great champions of our sport, one of the great athletes of our generation. Camille Heron is here for her first appearance in a really fun conversation on the program. Camille will need no introduction to most of you. Coincidentally, she just yesterday was named the runner-up for the Ultra Runner of the Year Awards. She's a Comrades champion, a multi-time world champion and world record holder, and generally an icon of this era of ultra running. In this conversation, we talk all about uh, Camille's career. We talk about aging as she enters her 40s, still very much feeling like she is in her prime and backing it up on the race course. We talk about her 27-hour vision quest at Western States and what she learned from that and how she plans to change her approach to get more comfortable on the Western States course after she earned her golden ticket back for 2022. We talk about some health problems that she dealt with earlier in the year and how she overcame those to finish 2021 with incredible performances at both the Havilene 100 and at Desert Solstice. It was really fun to chat with Camille. I hope you guys all enjoy our conversation. Before we get to it, quickly, a big thank you to Speedland, the coolest trail-specific equipment brand out there and the presenting sponsor of the Free Trail Podcast. If you haven't already, go check them out at runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL15, capital F, Free Trail 1-5 for 15% off your purchase of their debut footwear product, the SLPDX. Lots of amazing things in the pipeline with these guys, and we really appreciate their support. Okay, here's a really fun combo between me and the great Camille Heron. We'll see you in the outro. Okay, Camille Heron, welcome to the podcast. Happy New Year. How are you? Yeah, happy New Year, Dylan. Good to, good to finally connect with you. And uh, we, we've hit the ground running here on Monday. So Yes, yeah, the first Monday of 2022, a highly productive day, as we were just talking about before we pressed record. We've both had busy mornings, but here we are carving out some time to talk about the great sport of ultra running. Uh, of which we are both great fans and, uh, you are just an amazing champion who's had an awesome season. And since I started this podcast, I've wanted to have you on. And I think there's yeah. a lot of interesting things to talk about, but, yeah, awesome. uh, as we sort of say, uh, happy new year, it reminds me also that you just had a birthday too. So happy birthday. I did. Yeah. And it was a big one too, right? It's a big one. I know. I'm like, I'm like looking at pictures of me like 20 years ago and I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm looking pretty good now. I'm just turned 40. So it's a big yeah. one. Any thoughts or reflections on this big milestone of turning the chapter on your thirties into your forties? Yeah. I mean, I like, I started like making a chart of like all the world records, but then I realized I had to make a chart of all the masters world records. <laughs> and so that was when it dawned on me, like, whoa, I'm going for two times the number of records. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is actually interesting to just kind of chat about quickly because I turned 36 in March and I think about aging a lot as an athlete. 
Yeah. And obviously you're very much on top of your game still. I still very much feel like I have a lot of gas left in the tank, but I think about it a lot and think about ways in which I can continue to sustain high performance and continue to sustain motivation and health as I move into my late thirties. Absolutely. uh, I'm curious how you stayed so, so strong through your mid and late thirties and now moving into the, the master's ranks. Are there any tips or tricks for those listeners out there who are in the same position? Oh yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, when I, when I hit my mid thirties, um, I mean, it was kind of like a little bit sad. Like <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, like, did I reach my peak as, you know, in terms of leg speed and being able to chase records, but I'm still going, yeah. <laughs> I'm still going. And, um, I would say like the past year has been a really big, like transformation for me because I realized like, I got to take better care of my health. Like mm. if I want to, if I want to keep this going and like, you know, be a really good master's runner, you know, I got to, I got to do the little things. So I've really focused on my health this past year. Like, um, I figured out last spring about, I have this iron overload issue that I didn't mm. know. I didn't know I had. And um, so I've been working with a dietitian. I bought a squat rack last, last Christmas. <laughs> I've been getting in the gym, you know, trying to, trying to make my body stronger. Um, I've been setting an alarm clock and um, to wake up every morning, which has gotten me more regular with my sleep routine. Um, wow. And so you know, there's, I mean, that's really what it's come down to. I mean, just do the little things. And I have, you know, I look at somebody like Megan Canfield going into her fifties and I think she just turned 60 and, um, and I I've hung out with her. I've been on a U.S. team with her. And, um, I mean, she, she took, you know, she took great care of her health, you know, through her forties and fifties. And I think she's a really good example of somebody that, you know, if you take care of your health, you can really prolong, you know, your running career. So I, I'm really, you know, focusing more on that. And I, I definitely, we, we definitely like our beer and, and, you know, occasional wine and, and I've, we've actually cut out alcohol since July. Wow. And, How's that yeah, going? Yeah, I know. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, what that was going to be like. Cause I mean, I, I, we, we, you know, I have a beer with dinner every night and, and, yeah. um, when I, when I found out about my iron overload issue and that um, alcohol actually enhances iron absorption, I thought, okay, I got to like cut out the alcohol. I've got to go really hardcore with my diet. And um, we've actually, we've done great. We've been drinking and um, the athletic brewing. Yes. Uh, it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So, yeah, this is For great. Sure. I'm so glad we're starting here. This is an awesome conversation because I resonate right? with everything you just said, going yeah. back to, yeah, learning that you have to do the little things in your mid thirties. Yeah. I just bought a, a hex bar for my basement home gym. <laughs> Actually, my wife did, but, you know, so that we can do our, our strength training yeah. here in the comforts of our own home. And yes, this alcohol thing is something that's front of mind for me because I have to admit during the pandemic, I developed a taste for these Portland IPAs and just was like getting too consistent with my consumption of them. It really makes me feel terrible at this point in my life. And 
So, and we always do dry January every year. We always yeah. give off the beers for January, but I'm yeah. feeling like in 2022, I want to make a more concerted effort to move further away from the booze. Yeah. And this is definitely yeah. something that I never felt Hold like on. I had to think about. Yes, there it is. Athletic brewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. I'm curious though, about the, the sleep thing that you mentioned and setting yeah. the alarm, what, what application does that have? Or where did you learn that trick in terms of just sort of keeping your schedule better and what benefits are there? Yeah, well, I like, I have a tendency and um, I've been waking up earlier since we moved to Arizona and so like, and I think it's just cause, you know, with the sun and the sun was coming in, you know, really bright in the morning and it was kind of like triggering me to like wake up earlier. And so I was like, I was like, cause I, I'm more of a night out. I've always been a night out. And so uh, I was, I was in this habit of like going to bed late and then like naturally waking up early in the morning. I was like, I got to force myself to get to bed earlier to adapt to this like weird, like body change since we moved to Arizona. So, and I figured, well, if I set my alarm to wake up at seven, that that will naturally force me to go to bed earlier. So, um, I don't know where I figured that out. I just kind of thought it would be a, a good way to get myself in a routine. So yeah. that's also interesting. I'm, I've always been a, an early to bed, early to rise person <laughs> fascinated by everybody else's kind of, uh, natural disposition or yeah. habits on that front. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm always the type of person who wakes up early and does my training first thing in the morning. It sounds like you're one of those wakes up late and does your training sort of in the afternoon. Yeah. That's yeah. so fascinating. Cause I always feel terrible in the afternoon if I try to go for a run, but yeah. it's yeah. funny. I wanted to ask you too, about your move to Arizona because mm-hmm. you're based in Flagstaff now and you have been for how long? Well, actually, yeah, we're actually in Oro Valley, which is down. And yeah, we thought about Flagstaff and when we were trying to decide, we knew we wanted to move to Arizona. And originally, originally we thought about Flagstaff because everybody's moving to Flagstaff. And, um, and so when I started, um, it was actually before I had, um, I'd figured out the whole iron overload issue that I thought that the altitude wasn't working for me because we were up in Colorado and uh, I didn't, I didn't understand why it was feeling so bad. And I, I actually thought I had this, um, I thought it was like anemic, you know, and thought like I need more iron and I actually had the opposite problem. And so, um, we thought, well, I need to get back to sea level because the altitude isn't working for me. So then, um, my friend Charlie Ware, who yeah. um, I, I don't know if you know Charlie, but um, I do loosely. He's, yeah, he's like the one that that talked us into moving down to Tucson, and so we ended up coming here and and just thought it was really cool, and and yeah, we bought a house last May and uh, moved to Oro Valley, which is just outside Tucson. So, and are you planning to stay there long term? Uh, yeah. So we were trying to figure that out. I mean, uh, (laughs) well, that's why I'm asking because like, since, since I've sort of known who you were, right. Since you've been sort of in this sport of ultra running, I remember like you were in Oklahoma, then Ann Arbor, and then you were in Alamosa. (laughs) Now you're in Arizona. You've been fairly nomadic. I'm curious, like what has contributed to your guys's sort of, uh, bouncing around and, uh, you know, if you feel like you might be in the right spot and staying long-term. 
Yeah, I, I definitely feel like a nomad. I feel like um, we've lived a lot of places. And um, I mean, I went to grad school up in Corvallis at Oregon State. And I, we we thought about moving back to Corvallis. And um, I saw like Megan Canfield here and um, recently and she moved back to Corvallis. And, and I told her, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love Corvallis. Like, I feel like a nomad. Like I uh, we even bought our camper van. We bought our camper van. Yeah, and right. I I could live I could live in the van if I wanted to I feel <laughs> there's so many like cool places out there and um I just I just really enjoy traveling too and um and so yeah we've got a camper van to go explore and um and yeah I mean we're we're just kind of enjoying like traveling a lot and um yeah it's it's fun yeah awesome now, I also remember early in your career, you were a scientist of some kind. I think you were working yeah. at a university. Are you still practicing? Are you still working or have you gone full, fully professional? Yeah, great, great question. Yeah. So when and so when I got into the sport it was back in 2015 and I was a full-time researcher and I did bone imaging. And so I went to I went to grad school at Oregon State and I was trained in all these like bone imaging techniques. And and, and so I ended up that's what I did professionally, uh, just as I was getting into ultra running. And 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 yeah, I I I was kind of at that point where I had had a really long marathoning career. So I had been doing road racing for like 10 years in the marathon and I thought I was going to retire. And I, th I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself to the ultra running and just see where it goes. And, yeah. um, I mean, it was, it was pretty shocking. Like my first year was really overwhelming and shocking. And I was, you know, kind of like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning because you had had so much success and you felt like you had a lot of things that you could accomplish in the, in the ultra running scene or. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, like I got into the sport and I probably knew of only like five trail races. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't even know, like my very first hundred K, like I, I ran really fast in my first hundred K and I had no idea I'd run fast. I didn't know anything about times. I kind yeah. of went in with a, like a blank slate, like didn't know anything, like just thought I'm just going to try this. And, and, and here we go. <laughs> you yeah. know, It was really, really fun. And, but yeah, I mean, that first year was really overwhelming for me. Cause it was like, well, what do I do now? Like, yeah. I, I mean, it literally restarted my running career and I was so like serious and, you know, and, you know, had a full-time job and mm -hmm. very stressful job. And, um, and so I was like, well, you know, I, I was kind of at the crossroads. Like, how do I, how do I keep this going? Because I wasn't expecting to have as much success as I did. And, um, and so, yeah, back in 2016 ended up being a really, really hard year for me because I was trying to figure out, well, like, what do I do now with this whole running thing? And, and, and then I was under a lot of stress and projects with my job. And, and so I ended up, um, and then you mentioned I moved to Michigan. I actually had gotten like a dream job in research um, at University of Michigan for a couple months. And I was trying to get into trail running. And, um, and then I ended up, what happened was I ended up running the White River 50 miler. Yeah. Up in Washington. in Washington, and I that was my my first trail race to win, and I think I just missed the course record there, and I ended up quitting my job like three days later. 
just, I want to be committed to this. That's so cool. So, so you've been fully professional now for how many, a handful of years, I guess. So what I did, yeah, I quit my job and I ended up going back to my old job and I ended up working and reduced hours for, um, I think that was from 2016 until 2019. And so I was still working my research job and until 2019. And then I had my car accident that um, I was driving to work uh, back in 2019. And I had a rollover car accident while I was driving to work. And, and then I was on, um, like leave from my job for a couple months. And then I finally quit my job completely. And I mm-hmm. said, I'm done. I said, I got to fully commit myself to the running. So yeah, I've been a, been a full-time runner now for, for two years. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's oftentimes great to have sort of the the jobs to balance things out, especially when you do have the flexibility to reduce your hours and, still have that mental stimulation, but yeah, at a certain point for a lot of athletes, especially those at your level, it's great to just be able to commit and go full time. And it's interesting that it wasn't like after you won comrades that you went fully professional, it was kind of later in your career and it wasn't sort of, yeah, probably tied to any specific performance or anything like that. But yeah, I was just sort of curious about your personal situation right now, as you are in Arizona, at least temporarily, but you've mentioned a couple of times now about sort of some health mysteries or struggles that you were dealing with earlier this year. And I'm kind of fascinated by this iron overload concept because as runners, we're often told, you know, it's good to supplement with iron because it helps to build red blood cells, which obviously help carry oxygen and therefore make you a better athlete. And it sounds like you had too many red blood cells and as a scientist, <laughs> as a researcher, maybe you can do a good job of explaining yeah. what this condition is and how it impacted you as an athlete. Yeah. So I, I've always gotten blood work done my entire running career. Uh, I would get my ferritin checked. I would get my, uh, a complete blood count done and, and my blood values have always looked normal. They were either like normal or maybe kind of high. Like I just thought, well, I have naturally great blood, you know, like I, there was nothing that like was a red flag that was saying, Hey, you know, you should go get this checked out. So I just thought I had great blood. Um, but yeah, I started to get really tired and I think like it was kind of the middle of the pandemic and it was, and it was kind of like, you know, like the pandemic's happening and you're thinking, Oh, you know, am I just stressed, you know, because of like, you know, all these races getting canceled and like, you know, just a lot of stress, like from and dealing with that. And so, I started having like um, issues with my monthly cycle. Like I started mm-hmm. having like PMS and I thought, I thought something was going on with me hormonally or mm-hmm. like internally something is going on. And I, and I remember like when I ran and it was when I ran um, Havelina. I ran, I ran Havelina and like 30 miles into that race, I was feeling so tired. I felt like laying down to sleep and it was so weird. Like I just, I kept going and I was like, well, maybe it's the heat, maybe like, you know, I'm having, and I started having like gut issues and I was just really tired. And I was like, I was like, I'm so tired. I just can't keep going. I'm just too tired. 
So like that was kind of the first race that made me say something's going on. And then I went, um, but I've had, I mean, for, for the past couple of years, I feel like I've gone through just weird, like stuff, like feeling kind of low energy. And and you hear about ultra runners having like adrenal fatigue and that that kind of thing. And, And I'm having issues with my monthly cycle, but I've never missed my period never missed my period. So I knew it was not like any like energy deficits or anything like that. Interesting. So, so then like I've had, and um, I've had a lot of friends who have done like the inside tracker uh, tests. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, I need to like do some blood work, like more focused, more serious blood work. And, and they did like a full iron panel. And that's when it came out, like all these things were just like off the charts. And I was like, whoa, I was like, I never knew this before. Um, Did you figure out what the cause was? Was it, was it stress or was it an overtraining thing? Do you know what it was? So, uh, so since we moved to Colorado and so I guess we like, Uh, we part, well, we bought our house in 2018 and to, to move up to Colorado. And we, we actually had two houses and we kept our house in Oklahoma and then we had our house in Colorado. And so we were kind of like trying to split our time between them, but then we permanently moved to Colorado in 2019 in the fall. And, and so that was kind of like when the pandemic was happening. And so when we moved to Colorado, I started like taking more iron supplement, like supplementing with more iron. And I had even gone and gotten my ferritin checked. I I mean, I get my ferritin checked. I do my blood work. I get that checked. Everything looked normal. So I didn't, I wouldn't have even suspected it was my iron. I, I actually thought that I needed more iron. Like I'm, cause I started getting tired and you, you know, you hear about uh, runners getting, you know, anemia. So, so yeah, it was a really big shock to find out that, um, I was actually iron overloaded. My body overabsorbs iron and it creates symptoms that are very similar to anemia. So I'm finding this out like in the middle of May, which is like, you know, six weeks or so before Western States. Yeah. And we're like, well, what do I do now? Like, you know, to, to get rid of iron is like actually really challenging. Yeah. And, it's so, not as simple as just like going off the supplement, right? I mean, I think for no. the a very acute, dangerous cases of what you're describing, they have to do like bloodletting, don't they? They have to yes. sort of- Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, like I consulted with a dietitian around that time and um, and she said, no, I don't think you should. I don't think you should donate blood because it might throw you over the other way. Mm. And so like, it was kind of risky. It was like, well, do I donate blood or do I just naturally try? Like, I didn't know like how long it was going to take to get it down. So like, it's like, you know, the six weeks leading up to Western States. I mean, I'm, I'm structurally healthy. I was, you know, able to get in the gym and train. My training was pretty good, but I just felt this like fatigue that, and, and, and I mean, that's what iron, you know, iron overload causes oxidative stress. Mm. because iron acts as an oxidant when your body has too much of it. So, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, uh, it's very similar to the symptoms of anemia. So I remember. It's I so remember, interesting. It's yeah. Like the body is so complicated, isn't it? And the smallest so little weird. things can really throw us off, especially when you're trying to compete at such a high level. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it was so weird because I was, I needed to run to, to help manage my iron because you, you break down red blood cells, you know, through the foot strike. So I needed to run, but I was so tired, the fatigue from being iron overloaded that it made, I was too tired. Like I was, it was this like struggle, you know, to like get out the door and to run and, and, and yeah. And I mean, when, when I went to Western States, I, I mean, I felt like I'm structurally healthy. I'm structurally strong. You know, maybe I can overcome, maybe I can mentally overcome what my body is feeling, but I just, yeah, I I still, I'm laughing because we'll we'll go into Western States here in a sec, but you certainly mentally did overcome, (laughs) even though it seems like your body wasn't in in a great place. But before we we get to that, because I do want to hear all about it. uh, I'm curious, sort of like, well, I guess we'll sort of get into how you move past it, but yeah, I guess it's important also kind of, I guess, uh, reinforce or emphasize the fact that you'd mentioned like getting regular blood testing done. It's something that yeah. I do as well. And you mentioned inside tracker and I just actually talked to Jonathan Levitt the other day. So shout out <laughs> to inside tracker. Those guys are awesome. And I provided a great service to a lot of people in, in our community, but yeah, but as we sort of move towards this Western States conversation, was the only, I'm just curious how you got past this overload of, of iron. Was it basically just a, a patience game or was there anything tangible, anything practical that you did to try and even those levels out? Yeah. Yeah. So after, after Western States, I, um, <laughs> I realized I needed to go really hardcore with my diet. And, uh, so I ended up contacting my longtime dietitian friend, Jackie Dykos, and um, because I wanted to see, you know, do I need to donate blood? Like, could I naturally get this down? Like, what do I need to do? I need, I need more guidance, obviously. Um, and so she was, she was the one that helped me formulate my diet. And, and, and basically I had to like upregulate my copper metabolism, which I don't understand. I, I mean, that's <laughs> good. Cause I, I won't understand either. I need to waste your time. Trying to explain it. We, we want to explain it, but. But uh, I mean, she's a dietitian, so she had this. She put me on this special diet and supplements, and um, it's it's basically it's something called the root cause protocol. Uh, so if you if you Google root cause root cause protocol, and it has like all these kind of uh, intricate like supplements, like I'm taking a lot of magnesium, and I'm trying to take a lot of vitamin C and sodium. It's like it's trying to rebalance like all my minerals basically. Interesting. So. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll look into that here afterwards, but yeah. so as you referenced Western States was a mental and physical battle, but you did achieve a very proud heroic 27 and a half hour finish after two DNFs uh, before at Western States. And obviously you're, you know, world-class athlete. You've done incredible things in our sport with a wildly successful resume. And it sounds like you were coming in at least physically, um, you know, compromised and you were hoping for a miracle more or less. Um, but also it feels like, you know, just looking at your resume, I don't think it's controversial to say you're best at sort of the flatter, faster races. And so 
I'm curious as somebody who is more naturally inclined or naturally talented and has more experience with that type of racing, having tried Western States twice and not made it to the finish line both times, did you take a different approach in your training at all uh, coming in in 2021, even though you were physically compromised? And I'm just sort of like, cause I know you just posted on your Instagram or recently something to the effect of you're going to keep going back to Western States until you figure it out. And we all have faith that you will figure it out eventually. Yeah. And so what I'm getting <laughs> at is like, what's the, as you're sort of figuring out this Rubik's cube, what are sort of the things that you are tinkering with in your training, uh, to help you perform better on that course? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing for me is just confidence like getting, getting a more technical trail and just having the confidence to push myself, uh, you know, to bring that leg speed that I have in the road and track ultras and to bring it to trails and to have that, to feel comfortable, you know, maneuvering on, on the technical terrain. Cause I, I, I mean, it's, it's like a kid learning how to ride a bike for the first time, you know, and, and, you know, you struggle, you know, several times trying to take off on the bike. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I felt like moving to Arizona, I was like, I got to get on more trail and I've got to get that confidence and to be comfortable flowing on technical terrain. And I'm feeling that like, I feel like even, even the, the past week or so I've been getting back and coming back, you know, getting back on trail. And I feel that like connection with my feet and my body and how to move myself. And, and, uh, I guess like being on, on a bike, you know, trying to, trying to change your gears and a bike and to know when you need to oh. slow down or go faster. Like I'm figuring that out. And, and, and I felt like when I went to, and I, I know that Javelina is a, definitely a flatter course and less technical, but I mean, I got, I got on that a couple of weeks before and kind of got a feel for like, you know, my shoes and like how my body flows. And I felt like, okay, I feel, I feel a connection with this trail. And I think that that's really made it's really made a difference for me to get more on trail and technical trail and to get that confidence and, and that body control, uh, to, to feel like I, I can, you know, take off on that bike. So I, I love how you <laughs> describe that at Havelina and we'll get to that yeah. later in our conversation, but that feeling of having a connection to the trail yeah. and clearly the result indicated that that connection was a strong one with the Havelina <laughs> course. But for yeah. Western states, as we stay on this subject, sure, it's really for someone yeah. like you, it's like, if you could just get to Michigan Bluff or Forest Hill, <laughs> the course for yeah. you is like screaming fast, like kind yeah. of a really perfect Camille Heron course. And people might forget that. I mean, you've won races like Black Canyon and yeah. Bandera. So, I mean, you have skills on the trail, but really it's that first 30 miles or maybe yeah. that first 50 miles of Western States where you're going to need to develop that connection to the trail. Yeah, so I guess uh, I was going to ask you about this later, but we might as well chat about it now. Like, do you have any strategies or plans for how you're going to develop that connection with the Western States trail and maybe those first 30 miles that are a little bit more technical? <laughs> 
now that you've earned your golden ticket back into the race. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I definitely feel blessed to be going back, you know, for a fourth time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is my, this is my journey, you know, with Western States. And, um, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, the best runners who have done well there have been humbled by it the first couple of times. Like I know uh, it took Jim a couple of times and it took Ann Trayson and it's taken me and, um, and yeah, I mean, it's just trying to figure out that Rubik's cube, like you mentioned. Um, and, and now that I've gone the entire thing and, you know, I just want to come back and be, you know, like the most improved runner. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so describe the, uh, the 2021 race, because obviously, like you yeah. said, you're coming in feeling under the weather because of this iron yeah. issue, but you battled through, there must've been massive temptation to so. quit. Yeah. It was all in your head. You're pointing at your head now for those who are listening. So talk about that. Like, how did you battle those temptations, which I'm sure were screaming loudly in your ears to just pull the plug. You're not healthy. This isn't your day. You need to figure out your health. How did you manage to make it all the way to the track? And yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the biggest thing for me was to be structurally healthy and to do what I need to do to make sure my legs stay intact because my first two times I had injuries both times. And, and, and I think it was just, it was just an overwhelming experience. My first two times, like, I mean, I was still new to trail running and, and, and trying to take on technical terrain like that and, and had having injuries and, you know, it's just, it was just really throwing me into the fire. And so I felt like coming back this time, even though I had my iron overload issue. I worked really, really hard on being structurally healthy and trying to move like at a pace that was right for me to be able to stay intact structurally. And so I I knew like, I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen because of my iron overload issue, but I figured if as long as I stayed structurally intact, I am going to do what I can do to get to that finish line. So I like, I mean, I laid down, I think I, I, and looking at my my results and like how much time I spent at, aid, at each aid station, I think I laid down like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. So you really <laughs> ran like a 19 hour race, which is a good time. So. I did. Yeah. Like my actual moving pace was pretty good. Like I, I, yeah, I was like, in fact, I was trying to calculate like, well, what was my, when I was actually running, I was going pretty quick, but I was just so tired. Like it was like, every time I got to an aid station, I was like, I'm so tired and I would lay down. So I got to give a shout out for every single aid station from like, I think it was like from, well, I think I stopped at like every aid station. I think I spent like, I don't know, especially like from, um, from the the top of devil's thumb and like all the way to the finish. I I mean, I had, I had like 30 minutes to, to five hours stop. So, Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny, Camille. I'm just remembering this now because I was obviously doing the live stream commentary for the race. And I think there was sort of an assumption within those who are spectating the race, either through Iron Far's feed or through what we were doing on YouTube. I think there was like some reports on the course that you had dropped out maybe more than once. And Probably. so I think there was some people yeah. who were surprised once you arrived on the track. 
And I think everybody was, was really proud of you. Did you feel that sort of outpouring of admiration for an athlete of your level seeing it through to the finish line? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I was so excited. Like, like when I, when I woke up, so I was so determined to get to that finish line. Like I was not dropping out. Like, I, I think like I had the, I had the discussion with, with Scott Coomer on his podcast and we were talking about the reasons Love why Scotty. shout out to Scotty, 10 yeah, jump miles. Yeah. Shout, shout out, shout out to Scotty. So we, I mean, we had this discussion, like what are the reasons to drop out of a race? And he said, well, if you miss the cutoffs, if you're injured or if you're not having fun, so I had no reason to drop out of this race. I was not <laughs> every time, like when I, when I woke up at the recce checky and they told me, okay, you have like an hour and a half until the cutoff. And I said, Hey, let's go. <laughs> when I woke up, that's not something you often hear a professional athlete say about one of their competitions and, and a critical aid station yeah. in the middle of that race. So, yeah. well, that's all, it was awesome, Camille. And I think it sets a great example. Obviously there is a time and place to pull the plug, but it was really cool to see you battle through, especially because Thank of you. the fact that you have had problems at that race. And we all are, are desperate to see you race to your potential there. And we're so excited that you're back in the field in 2022. But then after the race, obviously it sounds like this is when you really started to take your health seriously. It's sort of yeah. when you went off the booze and you started this this protocol, when did things start to come around? When did you start to get the feeling that the, the old Camille was back? Yeah. Yeah. I started, so I started it in July and I started to feel good in August. And, um, I think I went for like a, a pretty epic, like 20 mile long run in August. And, um, and I said, okay, I'm starting to feel, I'm feeling my mojo come back basically. And, um, and yeah, and I mean, it was, it would start coming back in a really big way. Like I started doing speed sessions that were like comparable to what I was doing when I was a marathoner. So when I started to see my, my leg speed come back like that, and I'm starting, I'm doing the long runs and I, I just felt like my, my inferno was like lit, like mm. It was, it was pretty incredible, really. It was yeah, like, I, mean, I think we can all sort of, yeah, just kind of feel what you're talking about and point to yeah. times in our career when we feel that way. And it is funny where just a small change in your lifestyle or a change in your diet or just correcting some small little imbalance in your body can give you just this huge reserve of energy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So keep, I cut you off a little bit. Keep, keep telling us about that transformation and and then we'll sort of go into where you exhibited this, this amazing new well of energy. (laughs) Yeah. So I, like, I just started following what my dietitian told me to do. And, um, like I said, I mean, it, it happened, like it probably took like about a month or so until I started to really feel like, okay, I'm getting my mojo back. And, and, and I mean, it came back in a really big way, like so big that I was like, okay, I think I can chase my world records. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went in and I tried, tried to go. I've, I've, I've been trying really hard to do the multi-day stuff here the past two years. And, and I've had some, I've had some failures at that and just like weird, weird body issues. And I mean that 
I feel like I, I'm, I hopefully can have a really long career and I feel like I need to step back from that right now and to focus more on what I'm really, really good at and, um, and trying to master the, the hundred miles on trails. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I'm going to put the multi-day stuff on the back burner and, you know, prioritize Western States next year and going for these world records and that I've already set, try to improve my own world records. So, and mm. um, so, yeah, I ended up, I uh, had to drop from the EMU six day race because I had a bit of a slight hip flexor injury and then, um, and then try to go to Germany to um, go after my 100-mile world record. And I ended up getting food poisoning. Right. <laughs> I was like, this year has been, or the past, yeah. two, the past two years have been crazy. So um, I just, I, I'm such a happy person. I just kind of like go with the flow. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, yeah, I was, I was really sad about what happened in Germany. But at the same time, I was like, well, okay, let's, let's pick ourselves up and, you know, uh, get ready for javelina and and so yeah i went in like you know recovered from my food poisoning and then you know hopped hopped back into training and started training for javelina so yeah which is what we'll talk about now which was (laughs) one of the best performances of the year for sure and an incredible dominant victory and improvement of the existing course record by i think it was like 45 or 50 minutes that you broke the uh, existing course record by. Talk about that race. Was it a mixture of this return to health and an ample dose of motivation that carried you to this incredible performance? You also finished fourth overall, and you were only, I think, 40 minutes behind the male winner of the race, which was incredible. And uh, yeah, I just, I guess, just sort of walk us through that performance. How did, uh, how were you able to execute that one so perfectly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, yeah. So I, I had mentioned, I went to Javelina like a year ago and, um, and that was kind of when I could tell something was going on with my body. And, and, and I just, I said, I want to come back and I want to redeem myself there. And, you know, and obviously we moved to Arizona, so I've been able to, to prepare better for the heat and, and, and all that. So, um, so yeah, I just kind of went in like, you know, feeling good and like ready for redemption. Like I said, I'm going to pull back the reins on my pace because last year I tried to go out with the men and it was a little bit too aggressive. And I remember, and, you know, I, I, at one point I was ahead of Tim Tolleson and, and yeah, and everybody's probably like, like, what is she doing? Like, she's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tim's a really, Tim's a really steady friend. He's one of the best. Yeah. One of the best in the world. Yeah. He's, he's really good. And, and I kind of went in like motivated, like, I'm just going to try and hang with Tim for as long as I can. And it was not a good idea. <laughs> I, so I, I kind of went back, I went back this year and said, I'm going to pull back the reins and I'm not going to try and keep up with the top men. I'm just going to run my own race and be be I think I think Tim had said, said something maybe in an interview like to be a marble in a groove marble in a groove yeah 
And I, and that really like resonated with me to, um, to focus on, you know, running, run at a pace that feels like I can sustain it to the finish line and to just feel like I'm, feel like I'm flowing, you know, that marble in the groove. With that connection to the trail that you described yes. earlier. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I really focused on that. I focused on, you know, feeling that connection and, and being really comfortable, not uh, trying to focus on not feeling a burn in my legs. Like the first, I tend to want to go out and, you know, hit it, like hit the, the, the foot, you know, on the gas. And, and I, and I, and I, I just remember like a year ago when I did it, I was started feeling like this burning in my quads. And I said, I said, okay, don't, you don't want to, you don't want to be feeling that in your legs like too early in the race. And so just focus on being this marble in the groove and, and, and yeah, I just felt like I flowed like all day. Like I was super comfortable and, 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 and I think the biggest thing, the biggest like lesson I got from got from it was uh, managing myself really, really well in the heat. And so, um, like normally I heard I'm, it was a warmer than average day at Havelina this year. Obviously was, Arizona is known to be a, a warm state, but Late October, it's usually cooled down a bit. It seems like it was a hot one. It was really hot. Like, uh, I think it was like maybe four degrees hotter this year than it was the previous year. (laughs) And so, um, so it was super hot and, and, and I remember like going into it, like I kind of calculated, okay, I think I can run under 14 hours. Like if I manage myself really well and when it started to heat up in the race, like I realized, okay, it is really hot. Like I, I really need to like take it seriously about like doing what I need to do to keep myself going. And so, um, I kind of like started to formulate in my head, like it wasn't so much about trying to control body temperature and trying to keep my body temperature down as it was about just staying positive and keeping like to do what I need to do to kind of give myself a mental lift to keep going. And so I, I basically formulated like when I came around and every loop, my husband, uh, I think he had like ginger beer. He had some really like ice cold ginger beer. And it, that stuff is so good. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was, when I came around to him, I was chugging the ginger beer and putting uh, cold ice water on my head and my neck and my face. And so, um, I did that. And then I changed out all my gear when, um, my gels and my water. And, um, so I did that when I got to him, but then I realized like, okay, I think I want to do this like every single aid station to the finish line, just because it, it just kind of gave me like a mental lift. Uh. And, um, and, and so I think I had formulated like before the race, like that I, I, I didn't, I didn't anticipate stopping at every aid station. I thought I would just kind of do it like every 10 miles, like do it at the, the start and the finish and do it or do it at the start and then do it at the um, jackass junction. And, and so I thought I was going to like be able to go, I thought it was not going to have as many stops, but once it got high, I said, game over. I said, I'm stopping at every aid station. And I ended up, and I ended up getting like some, and like Coke and Mountain Dew. I was doing the same thing every aid station. I would dunk ice water in my head and get Coke and or Mountain Dew and then just keep going. And so I basically did that every single aid station to the finish line. And that oh, just what a great just, lesson, also, isn't it, Camille? Because yeah. I mean, you still ran by far the fastest time in the race's history. And so 
it goes to show that taking those extra couple of seconds to look it after did. yourself at the aid stations can pay off in big margins uh, yeah. later on in the race. Yeah. At what point did you sort of feel like you were ready for, or like you were having a special day? I'm sure with the greater context of the year, with your health issues, with the food poisoning, that you were desperate to have a good one. At what point yeah. did you start to feel like this is a special one and I'm on pace to really have one of the better performances of the year? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I was definitely nervous because, and because of my, my iron overload issue. I mean, I was so nervous, like, oh, I hope it doesn't come back. I hope I don't have that fatigue come back because it had happened, you know, a couple of times in a row. And so I was like, I was like, please body, like keep it together. You know? Yeah. Oh, I was just so like determined, like, and, and I never, it never, I started to feel it. Like maybe I think it was after the third third lap that I, I, I kind of had it in my head, like, oh my gosh, am I getting tired? Like, can I keep going? And then I remember I came into the aid station and Connor gave me the ginger beer and ducked my head with ice water. And, and the thought just completely went away. I just got going again and went on the fourth lap and, um, and then on the fourth, so like the race is going really smooth and, you know, feeling good, uh, did not have that fatigue that I felt previously. And then like, I think it was after I hit Jack ash junction on the fourth lap i was like going around a corner and my foot kicked a uh, a choya uh, cacti okay i kicked a cactus <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and it was so painful. Like I felt it stick into my shoe, into my little toe. And I like audibly went, ah, <laughs> and, uh, it was, and so I stopped and I tried to look at my shoe and see if I, uh, if I could pull out a thorn, but I didn't yeah. see the thorn. So, so I went for about 30 minutes in extreme foot pain Yeah, <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, okay. I don't think it could be any worse than this, but maybe it'll just go away. <laughs> hopefully that's what happened. Right. And it did, it yeah. did, it went away. And then, um, so I finished the fourth lap and the pain had gone away. And then I was going into the fifth lap and I was like, okay, let's go. And, um, and then I think like in the fifth lap with like, um, maybe 12 miles to go. And I started feeling pain in my knee, like on that same leg. Mm. And I felt, it almost felt like my leg was like giving out on me. Like it was so weird. Like, um, so yeah. And I, and I kind of think what had happened is cause I kicked the, the cactus that, um, maybe I'd like changed my gait a little. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I was having a bit of knee pain and, but I was like, well, I've only got 12 miles left. I was like, just, you know, haul, just yeah. haul, but you know, just really haul. And, um, and then I think like a cameraman got behind me and, um, I was nervous because I was like, I was like, please don't fall. There's yeah. a camera. The free trail podcast is brought to you by gnarly nutrition. Gnarly is an awesome sports nutrition company based in Utah that specifically focuses on us the outdoor and mountain sport athletes of the world and OMG are their products amazing. I've been using the fuel to o drink mix for the past six months and have been blown away by the product for long runs, workouts, and race fueling. The cherry cola flavor of the fuel to o mix is especially delicious. You'll never have to resort to Coca-Cola with this magical elixir in your bottles. And that is just one 
product amid an insanely robust collection and nearly all their products are NSF certified for sport. It's an incredibly valuable investment that they've made to enhance their brand's product and their brand's reputation, something I certainly very much value as an athlete. Go check out Gnarly. The whole product offering is at gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. gonarly.com, FREETRAIL15. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by the Free Trail mobile app. Come for the training, stay for the community. Free Trail, of course, was the first mobile app made specifically for trail runners with a ton of resources to help you approach our great sport with a little bit more knowledge and support along the way. I just put up a six-week off-season training plan, which is great for this time of the year, the same sort of training that I'm going to be doing over the next six weeks. So come check it out. Membership is only $120 a year, the equivalent of $10 a month. And that includes access to our weekly Zoom calls and other perks to be rolled out in the near future. The subscribers that make up our community also make our whole business operational and we appreciate them so, so much. So please go visit freetrail.com. Hit the button that says download the app and come celebrate trail culture with our great community. I want to ask you about also Camille and yeah, of course you finished the race and smashed it, as we said, ran an incredibly fast time and uh, a lot to be proud of. And I'm sure there was a feeling of, yeah, I don't know, redemption, vindication after a tough start to your season. But you mentioned earlier about sort of easing off the gas pedal a little bit in this race, but still ran from the front the whole race and you have that style to you. And it's one of the things that I think a lot of people really love about following you and admire about you as an athlete is that you have this sort of fearlessness to you and you're not afraid to really go for it. I I'm wondering uh, if you can share anything about where that comes from in your personality and maybe how those of us who are maybe uh, a little bit uh less confident in ourselves or I don't know, just sort of like how, how you're able to, um, come to a place where you feel comfortable taking those big risks and run in such a fearless style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot, I get a lot of my confidence just from my training. And, and so like, if I'm running a hundred mile race, I know that it's at about 75% of max heart rate effort. And so that's like a steady long run effort. And so like, you know, if you go out and you do like a pretty hard long run, like that's what your hundred mile effort is. And so because I've done so much like road work, I know what that feels like. And so I take that feeling and I just try to apply it to the trails. And I know that it's possible because I've done it for, you know, my hundred mile world record. And so, and, and yeah, even when I went for my hundred mile world record, I went in with the mentality of 75% of max heart rate is possible. Mm. And so I stuck, I got, you know, that marble in the groove, like 75% effort, like when I set my world record. And so I've just been able to translate that effort to trail. Wow. And, 
And that's what gives me the confidence because I know it's possible. I know I've done that before. And so I just kind of get into that mindset of what do I feel like when I'm doing, you know, a steady long run? Like, what does that feel like? And so I just, I focus on that feeling and, and being really steady and comfortable and, and trying to hold that to the finish line. So it's so fascinating and we should transfer over to the desert solstice race because it's sort of I see the parallel here as well. And I wanted to maybe ask you as sort of a researcher, somebody who's inclined to this sort of, um, yeah, maybe math psychology and just locking into a pace like that. Is that sort of, uh, what you find appealing about the, the track and the road type stuff is it's sort of like a math problem in itself. And you just kind of have to get the pace right and then not have a big margin on one side or the other, but just sort of execute a mathematical equation in order to ultimately achieve your goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a statistics geek. Like I love, that's what I like about the road ultras, especially being on a track because you've got a clock every lap and, and you're able to, you know, you're trying to hit, like you're trying to be really steady and trying to hit those two minute splits. And so, um, I'm, I'm a total dork. Like I love to be in a rhythm and to, you know, be trying to click off this splits. I would say that the, the difference between like, you know, the, the road and the track stuff and trail is that, is that, I mean, it's the same like repetitiveness, like, yeah. oh my gosh. I mean, it, it really wears on you mentally, especially if you start to feel your, your laps uh, get slower that, you know, it starts to play tricks with your mind. Cause then you're like, okay, well maybe I need to speed up or throw in, you know, some sprints. And so, um, it's a stressful situation. Like I, I feel like, like, you don't, you don't really have any time to stop and to, to, to have any stop time. You're trying to reduce your stop time. You're trying to uh, have this like perfect race basically. And um, in fact, I tell Connor, I'm like before every race, every 24 hour under race, I'm like, there is no moment of pause. Mm-hmm. Like I even remember seeing like, and um, Nick Corey, like, um, he was not going, well, I don't think he did, but like to, to use the restroom, I guess, like yeah. he was, I mean, I mean, you're trying to do what you can to like, keep going. Just, and, yeah. uh, I mean, you, there's well, no he's similar of- too, isn't he? I think he's like a computer programmer or an engineer yeah. or something. I think that kind <laughs> of, that sort of mentality comes naturally to him too, of just like executing the plan, yeah. figuring out the math problem and just like staying within the parameters of it. And of course yes. he was able to achieve an American record as, as you are also at a hundred miles. Yeah. It's yes. fascinating. So it, fascinating because it's so it not is. my style, right? I'm much more of a uh, reading and writing person than a, uh, <laughs> a numbers and graphs person. But um, Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's so much more like comfortable during a trail race. Like, like for me, trail racing is fun. Like it's like when I can be like fun and be more relaxed, but when I do these track and road ultras, it is stressful. Yeah, yeah. I I was like, in fact, I mean, it's fun. It's fun too, because fun in it, a different way, probably. Yeah. yeah. It's so like mentally like taxing, but, and yeah, I feel like, I feel like I, I wouldn't want to just be a road ultra runner or just a trail runner. I feel like they kind of like 
they kind of like balance me out really well because like I I'm somebody that that likes like it's just fun like it's yeah. fun it's fun to be challenged in different ways and and so going back to desert solstice like I went into it with this approach of I'm going to slow down the pace in hopes that I could sustain it better once I hit a hundred miles and so. Yeah. I was definitely feeling like way better, like much more comfortable and with just how my body more relaxed and compared to a couple of years ago. And, but, but yeah, I, I had tweaked my knee at um, Havelina hundred and, and all those turns at desert solstice started to like, it was starting to like make my knee get like inflamed. Yeah. And so I, I kind of was formulating in my head, you know, like, okay, how fast do I need to go to break my, like, I, I think I want to stop at a hundred miles to get my hundred mile world track world record. And so I, in fact, I yelled out at Connor. I was like, what, you know, what's my margin. And I think he said, I I was 40 seconds under my pace for my uh, track world record. So I said, okay, that 40 seconds is really close. Like that's like a bathroom break. So I started to pick it up like with uh, 90 minutes to, or uh, I was at 90 miles. And so I started to pick it up at 90 miles. And, and I think I increased my cushion by like just over three minutes. <laughs> Incredible. It's so cool, Camille. <laughs> and I'm sure it was a great way to finish the season with Havelina yeah. and desert solstice two incredible performances Thank after you. what was probably a tough 10 months of the year, you finished it with an awesome <laughs> last two months. Yeah. Course record, an amazing, what was it? A world record at desert solstice, your birthday. And here we are, uh, coming into 2022. And I think this is a good place to kind of start winding down now, as we look towards the future, uh, we've talked about how you're going to be going back to Western States next year. And I know that you have this year, this year, uh, yeah, this year, I know. I have to think like, I just, (laughs) I just signed something this morning. It said 2022 and and, yeah, I was like, okay, we flipped the calendar. Like you have to get used to to signing 2022 now. Uh, So bizarre (laughs) time is moving so much faster. So, but of course you are going back to Western States this year, and I'm sure you're going to go into that with huge focus and ambition as you always do. I noticed that you're also signed up for the jackpot 100. So talk us through what your goals are for 2022. You and I had an email exchange as we were setting up our podcast too, where you explain that you have, you have big goals for yourself and you want to capitalize on time as father time continues to move forward for all (laughs) of us. So tell us what your goals are in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm so torn on like, I mean, there's so many great trail races, you know, coming up in the spring and we talked about the gorge waterfall and it was so funny because I, I was trying to pull up like my old, like race calendars that I had developed like 2016, 2017. And I had the gorge waterfall on there. And I don't remember what was the the last edition that they did. Do you remember what 2017 was the last year it happened? Okay. So I think I was wanting to go in 2017 and I went to check in at 50 K and I ended up tearing my MCL at check in at. So I didn't get to do gorge waterfall that year, but now that it's back, like, and I I was like, Oh my gosh, gorge is back now. So, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll do it this year, but you know, maybe like next year would be better. So um, whenever you want to come, you're welcome, but tell us, tell us what you are doing. What, What are the big goals outside of Western States? 
Yeah. So like, I, like, I was really like, I was like, man, I really want to do some, like finally like nail, like some of these trail races, like Lake Sonoma. And I know like the Canyons hundred K like that, that sounds like a good one. And so, yeah, I, I kind of went in like after, after Halloween, I was kind of like, Oh, I want to do like all these like big trail races. But then, I, but then I went to desert solstice and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I feel like a million bucks. Like I could really chase my world records. And uh. so, so then I turned 40 and I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, if I'm feeling good, I am going for world records. Like, absolutely. Like I got to like make the most of my speed while I have it. And, and I think, I think that the biggest thing though, is I know Western States is like my number one goal. So mm. I've, I've really got to do what I need to do to be healthy and to be prepared. And like, when I look at what the other top women who have run Western States, like Ellie and Anne, and I mean, they like, they went into it with a lot of like road speed, like a lot right. of Ellie won comrades a few weeks before Western States. She did. And that, uh, I think that yeah. was the year she broke the course record. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think that was the year that I started following the, and um, started following the sport it was like Ellie had run like London and run the marathon PR. And then she went to comrades and yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, I think she was like second at Comrades that year and then um, went on to to break the course record at Western States. And so she went into it with a, you know, road, road speed. And, um, and I think that that's definitely the right approach to have, like have, have like mostly road speed, but also be prepared for trail because I think she had done like maybe checking at 50K. And, and so she, I mean, she's a definitely an amazing trail runner as well, you know, combined with the road the road yeah. speed. And so, and so, yeah, I think, I think like I need to have like that kind of like healthy balance, you know, to, to do really well at Western state. So. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what you do on that course. And I think just yeah. going back to what you said earlier, developing that connection with yeah. the trail and becoming more comfortable, especially in the first 30 miles through yeah. Robinson flat, I think if you can get through there in close enough contact with the lead women who may spend more of their time or more of their year only training on trails, you can be super dangerous on that course. I think <laughs> you, would, you would add a, a big entertainment factor for us on the live stream. So one more question that just popped into my head before I let you go, Camille, is this year was a huge one for women in trail and ultra running. Yeah. It was such an awesome year with your great. performances at Havelina, Desert Solstice, Courtney DeWalter at UTMB, 15 of the top 30 women or 15 of the top 30 finishers at Western States were women. And that's only to name a few. I mean, there was just, it was the story of the year, in my opinion, was the women's side of the sport. Yeah. Do you have any comments on that side as someone who's a leader within that community on that and on that side of the sport yeah. and, and how exciting the dynamic is and the competition now and any other things you think are relevant? Oh yeah. I, I remember when I first got in the sport, like, and I mean, I, 
I found myself up with the top men. And I remember the chatter was always like, she can't keep this up. What is she doing? Why is she up there? And, and, and so like people didn't know who I was or like, you know, and, and then, you know, it's just taking time that I think that, you know, what I've done, what, you know, watching Courtney watching, I mean, there's a lot of women who have been stepping it up and I think it's giving confidence to other women that they can be up there, that they can be beating the men. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been quite the transformation, like the past I, this is starting my seventh year and, and, and it's incredible. I mean, I think it's fun. Like, I think it's fun that like the women, you know, the women are bringing it, like they're yeah. stepping it up and, and it's fun, you know, to, to see that. And, um, I think it's also fun too, because like people are starting to expect that, like yeah. they are not surprised by it. Like they are seeing us up there and they're cheering us on and, and it's really like fun. Like I, yeah. And so I, I feel like, and um, not only, you know, do, do, do I feel like confident in myself that I belong there, but everybody around me has that confidence. And I feel like it's just continuing to, you know, elevate the sport. So it's, it's really fun right now. Yeah, it really is. Well, Camille, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's really fun yeah. to connect with you over zoom and, uh, yeah, I'll be, you know, as I always am sort of following your, uh, successes and the challenges. You always do a great job of sharing both the highs and the lows. And, uh, I'm happy to see you end 2022 on a high note. Happy birthday yeah. again. Thank and, you. Uh, hopefully we'll see yeah. you in person in the new year. Yeah. Good. Good luck with you too. And I, yeah, what, what, whatever you're doing, uh, I, I mean, your, your podcast is amazing. Like you're, you're just kind of, you're crushing it. You're crushing it as an, <laughs> you're crushing as an athlete and your podcast. And, and I love like watching your, between you and Corinne, like you, you have a really good dynamic and that, that's really, it's really fun to listen to you guys. So. Well, thank you so much, Camille. Yeah. I got to yeah. start getting my, my own athletic career back into a groove myself. It's been, yeah. it's been hard to, uh, yeah, get my training in myself, but I'm motivated and, uh, it's always fun to have conversations with people like you to, to help me, uh, get a little bit more inspiration. So yeah. thanks again. We'll cool. talk to you soon. Right on. Okay, what did you guys think? A big thank you to Camille for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. I really enjoyed that one, and I hope you did too. If so, go send Camille a DM on Instagram. Let her know what resonated with you. Please share this episode with your friends on social media or consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a couple of seconds and we would really appreciate it. It really is helpful for the show and makes me feel so nice when I read the nice reviews that you guys leave us on Apple Podcasts. If you've never done that, we would really appreciate you taking 60 seconds and doing that now. A big thank you to our sponsor, Speedland and Gnarly Nutrition, and also the great Free Trail community members, all of them, all their support make our media efforts possible. So if you care about what we do, please go support Speedland and Gnarly. You'll find those discount codes in the show notes for these amazing footwear and nutrition products. Uh, but that's it for this one. Thank you so much for being here and listening all the way to the end. We will be announcing a fun expansion of this show in the near future. I'm excited to share that with you soon. Uh, but for now, that's it. Love and appreciate you all very much. Talk soon. Bye-bye.